Hey, everybody, before we start, I just want to say thank you for all your marvelous letters regarding my new novel, Malro and the Midnight Organ Fight. There's been so many coming through, and I really appreciate you taking the time to write. I can't read them all on the air, uh, but I promise I will respond to all of them off the air. Today's on-the-air one comes from Tiffany in New York City. She writes, Dear Alex, I think it's really funny how you start every show off by saying that because the world is a mess, you feel weird about talking about your book. But I thought about it today on a run, and I realized what you're really doing is talking about how weird it is to talk about your book, which, when you break it down, is just you talking about your book. You're kind of like the M.C. Escher of podcasts. (laughs) Anyway, I love the book, and I love you, but wanted to point that out. The M.C. Escher of podcasts, Tiffany? Well, uh, I'll take it, but my original goal was to be the M.C. Hammer of podcasts. But yes, you're right. I do talk about how weird it is to talk about the book, which really is just me talking about the book. No argument there. So I'm going to up my game, Tiffany. I'm going to step it up. I'm going to start talking about how I talk about how weird it is to talk about the book, and then I'm going to talk about how I talk about how I talk about the book when I talk about the book. Let's see MC Escher do that. Or MC Hammer. It is true, though. I thought promoting my work was a tone-deaf thing to do, given all that's happening out there in the world, but it looks like what's happening is going to keep happening. So why not do some reading? All right, it's Hammer time. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Faithful brother, you know you turn into our father. I see you're just trying to save me. Darling, I wouldn't bother. Cause since I came here, I've been wishing I was somewhere else instead. All these false visions in my head Of what United States would you be That is the music of the Mendoza Line, which features my guest today on the program, Shannon McArdle. Let me tell you a little bit about Shannon McArdle. So, Shannon McArdle has become, over the course of this program's life, one of our most popular guests. She was last here on the 4th of July, if I'm remembering correctly, and I got more emails about her appearance than anyone else who's ever been on the show. You guys love her, and I love her too. So she's back. Shannon sang for the Mendoza line, then after that band split up, she embarked on a very successful solo career. Her voice is one of music's great treasures, and her friendship is one of mine. Truly one of my favorite people on the planet, and I'm happy She's also one of your favorite people, too. So here you go. The return of Shannon McArdle right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. I like to I like to have others like come in awkwardly. <laughs> like I, or or like if it if it's like a date, not that I go on dates anymore, but right. like 
uh, I want to be there first, but like 45 minutes. What? Before a date? Oh, yeah. Why? Just to get comfortable, make sure yeah. I have a drink first. Yeah. I can go to the bathroom. Okay. And that I'm sitting before. I, would, I mean, I would think that you could also scope out escape routes. Well, no, all of, all of that. But yeah, I'd yeah. like to think that's behind me. I'm Hopefully. All, all of that's behind me, but yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of things that are behind you, I feel terrible. I really feel like I was like your parent during the mm -hmm. week when I texted you and I was like, well, what about that guitar behind your head? It's well, not right. I often feel like you're my parent, which <laughs> is not healthy. And, um, and I yeah. think, listen, sometimes I need that push. Um, can I tell you a story? Please, yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a similar thing. And it's okay. going to explain to you why I sort of need Alex Green as my dad. Parent. Yeah. I mean, I have a dad. And, okay. But like, I, and also, this is all very weird. And you're like four years older than me. But so I am afraid of bicycles. <laughs> Are you a bike rider? I'm not a cyclist, but I, I'm not afraid of them. You mean you can ride one? I can That's ride I mean. one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I cannot, or I, so basically I, uh, around the age of seven or eight, my parents decided we, my brother, my twin brother and I were going to learn to ride bikes. And we did. And I had a little BMX and I did fine. I fell once and I fit and it wasn't serious. Okay. Um, but I think I literally never got back on a bike and I, I had never been on an adult bike for some reason that was the limit for me. And I knew, and then it turned into a real fear. Like as I got older, people would be like, Oh, we're going bike, bike. We were going to bike here. And I'm like, Oh no, I can't do that. I don't ride a bike which was weird to everyone. So when coronavirus hit in March, I bought a bike, single speed, like cruiser, you know, as close to my BMX when I was nine years old as I could get, like literally the pedal brake, single speed, sturdy, low to the ground, but it's, an, it's a legit adult bike. It's not yeah. a children's bike. Okay. Um, and I was thinking, well, this is, I have no choice now. I have to start thinking about getting places, like I'm not riding the subway. Not that I really have to go anywhere, you know, during this pandemic or whatever. So I got it. And then I had, um, I think I told you about my hand accident. I sliced yeah. my finger apart and then I'm like okay well I can't I'm not gonna learn to ride it now and then months went by months went by and um I still had not ridden the bike and I realized having the bike in my apartment I was just haunted by it because I thought I don't even know if I can ride you bike <laughs> so my boyfriend who is lovely from Colombia, 
but so like grew up riding motorcycles and bicycles and like when coronavirus city started cycling to midtown basically from brooklyn um he didn't really understand that i didn't know if i could i i needed to learn how to ride a bike again like i got it and i was scared and blah 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 so last or two nights ago i reached out to my neighbor louie who is lovely he's a middle school teacher and he and his wife Alyssa are they've just been delightful neighbors and i said louie i know you're a cyclist or whatever i need you would you be willing to teach me to ride a bike i can't ride a bike can you will, will you teach me and he was like I'm so fucking bored right now. And like, yes, I love that. Sounds great. And so this morning I meet Louie in our lobby. We go to a mini park before Prospect Park in Brooklyn and we start doing some rounds. And it turns out you can actually forget how to ride a bike. So like I was like, eight or nine the last time I rode a bike and I'm 44 I can't I could not ride a bike I couldn't keep balance so the expression oh it's like riding a bike is a wrong horrible horrible analogy like the worst thing ever because you actually can forget how to ride a bike granted it's like 35 years or right but so I was a child and we spent 20 minutes with my just getting balance and being able to stay on the bike. And then that happened and we started to do like just rounds around this little park. And then we made our way to Prospect Park. I even made my way to a bike lane. I even turned right onto like a, you know, like a, an intersection. A walk. I did some major like bike things, <laughs> but I started the day not being able to keep my, and this was a two hour enterprise, but um, Louie taught me how to ride a bike. Again. So he, he taught you how to ride a bike again. And he did. He held on to my handlebars. Did, I was gonna I was gonna ask that because I think you kind of yeah. have to. Well, he said, What do you want me to do? And I said, I don't know, Louie. Like you're the teacher here. I don't know. And he's like, What kind of teacher do you want me to be? And I'm like, Why don't you be the kind of teacher you are in the classroom? And he's like, Well, I'm a control freak. I'm like, Oh, well, not that kind of teacher, but can you like, but like whatever, if you think you're being too protective of me, you're probably not. I will appreciate it. Treat me like a child. Like I am learning to ride a bike. And so he didn't like hold on to the back of my seat. He just, we did a little where he held on to the handlebars and I worked on my balance. And it didn't feel great to me. It actually put me off balance. So I said, Louie, I think it's just time for me to, you know, do it, do it. And he was, he, 
He's my saving grace. I he was so delightful. I can't thank him enough. Um, so, it was a big day. Yeah, like if we did this podcast yesterday, you would have said, "I can't ride a bike." Yeah, yeah. And now you and can. I learned how to ride a bike today. So as a forty-four-year-old grown-ass <laughs> woman, how was he so successful? What was the secret? What did he do? What he did was he was patient and kind, and that's what I needed. I knew I, I was about to sell the bike without ever having taken it out. Okay. I had it up for sale, and um, and then I regretted. I had some interest in like people wanted to buy it. It's a beauty, but it's like a big, heavy cruiser. It's kind of a piece. I think it's a piece of shit, but it's cute or whatever. <laughs> but, um, and then I thought, Chan, this is what I always said, Chan, you got it for a reason. You got it because you wanted to learn how to ride a bike again, but also because your transportation is very limited these days. Give it a chance. How can you give it a chance? And I realized I just needed someone to understand my plight and be patient and kind. And I knew Louie, my neighbor, would be that guy. And he was. He came through tenfold. So when I was telling you, when we were texting, and I said, you said, I'm bored or something. And I said, well, you've got that guitar hanging behind you. That was yeah. me trying to be kind and saying, hey, there's something you can do. <laughs> and, but, but it came across <laughs> as very like disapproving parents. Like, well, that could no, no. Okay. No, no, it didn't come across that way at all. Like I'm actually playing the guitar most days. It didn't come across that way. I thought you were going to make me play it. And then I was like, ah. No. Uh, uh, that's, no. 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 I, I then that then I would have felt like you were the dad. Come on, right. just play us a little something. Not to say you'd be wrong for asking, but I was <laughs> horrified. Like, yes, the guitar actually it gets out a lot more than the bike. Does it? Know? Like, I actually, yeah. Yeah. So the guitar. You look like you doubt me. Like I don't I'm doubt you. No, I don't. I just, <laughs> it's hung so perfectly and symmetrically behind you. Um, oh, no. This is just where I do my Zoom, all of my Zooms. It's, okay. Uh, do you want me to move? No, 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 no. To... No, I'm not distracted oh, okay. by the guitar. I just, I like the fact I'm interviewing a musician. And mm -hmm. by the way, people wrote in after our last yeah. podcast and they were very concerned that you're going to bring scurvy back to North America because <laughs> you don't eat oh, fruit. People no. are very concerned. That's the last thing I wanted to impart. <laughs> well, Is I there... mean, if you, you know, you don't eat fruit. That's it's a little troubling. Yeah, yeah, and I still don't. No, Although my dog sitter, I just I spent one night away from the dogs, and my dog sitter left me with like eight cherries and a kiwi, and I ate them. Okay, well this is great. A kiwi is a great source of vitamin C. Yeah, no, so. I'm yeah, I'm sorry everyone for making <laughs> you. you they, yeah, I, I don't. mean, people also thought that you and yeah. I are, and that we have not been honest that we're brother and sister. 
Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I got three people saying, you guys are related and you're not copying to it. And I'm like, <laughs> we're not related, but you have a brother who's a twin. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You do. Um, but do. you and I are not related. So we're going to dispel that rumor as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I'd be proud to be your sister. I, well, you know. I can file the paperwork. It, can that happen? Yeah. Wait, are you, wait, are you going to adopt me or am <laughs> I going to be your sister? Adopt you? <laughs> I'm, I'd rather be your brother than your father. Yeah, no, I prefer that as well. Those are the yeah. two options I'd rather. Yeah, me too. That's what, yeah. By the way, in all of our conversations, I never thought that you'd ever say to me, are you going to adopt me? I never thought that was going to ever <laughs> No, I'm not going to adopt I was actually, you. when you first got in touch with me, I knew it was a question I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like... From the first moment, I yeah. was wondering if you would adopt me. Yeah, this is like that children's book, Are You My Father? or something. I'm sure there's <laughs> one of those. I had, so I was worried you posted a picture where you really fucked up your foot running. What happened to you? Well, no, I, just, I lost my big toenail. Okay. This is, um, it looks gory, but in reality, I, ha I have suffered. I'm not going to say suffered from that stuff. <laughs> when I was like 10, I had surgery on both of my big toes for, um, what's it called? Um, what's it called when your toes get like swollen because you're, it's not athlete, uh, ingrown toenails. Oh, so you had surgery because of this. Yeah, so I had uh, both of my big toes. I had some pus incidents, and I think around 10 or 11. God. And so went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, well, we do the surgery, and we snip off just a little bit of the sides, and then you're not going to have that issue anymore, which was true. So they make your big toes a little skinnier okay but what they don't really tell you this is what they don't really tell you and it's shady it is connected in three places it's connected side side bottom right Got can it. you say that about your big yeah, toe sure my big toes not both of my big toes not once you have the surgery the um connection on the sides is gone so you basically just have the bottom. So if you, let's say if you're running and you stub your toe and you get a bruise, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to lose the toenail. So wow. I've been living with this my whole life. Like I've lost so many big toenails. Um, okay. Yeah. So because it's no, they're not connected on the sides. They're only connected on the bottom. So it's like a hatch. If this you will, is something not you, to be brick. No, no, and you and you you but, were never told this as a child. No, 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 never told this of it as a child that I've lost so many big toes. So I know if a big toenail gets bruised underneath, then it's a matter of weeks, months before it's just gonna I'm gonna lose it. And so I lost I lost this fella. It was I a, liked this one. He was special. <laughs> 
he was kind of thick. Yeah. He was actually gross. Yeah, he was kind of thick and like, I, I'm fine. Yeah, and so I'm hoping like clean slate. Yeah. Maybe I'll just get a young thing in there and be fine for a little while. It's weird to think that sometimes one grows in that's older. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it seems that yeah. I've had like, you, you go through the process of losing an entire toenail, right? And then you pull, and then they don't just fall out. You got to do some work. Oh. I had to do some personal surgery to get it gone. And then your only hope is that it comes in fresh and new and lovely. Right. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they come in, yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm expecting a boy or a girl <laughs> or, uh, you know, and, and when. It's not like, I don't even know when he or she will arrive. Wow. I mean, yeah. because there are, supposedly when you die, there are parts of your body that are still active, like yeah. your hair and yes. your nails. Yeah. And so I, I would imagine there's some things that you could eat or, right, that would precipitate growth. Yeah. Well, I know, like, my hair, my nails grow very quickly. I don't have I don't have an issue with that. It's just that I lose nails. I lose those big nails because of the surgery, you know? Um, more importantly, why was this yeah. happening to you as a child? Like, why? I've never known anybody who's had these surgeries. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's, it is rather mysterious because I think it's more for, like, the athlete. And I was a fucking chubby piece of chubby shit kid. I was not, like, it's not like I was playing soccer or something. I was, like, barely moving. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But, it, I mean, ingrown toenails, I think it's a hereditary thing. My father told me later on that he thought he had them, and he just pulled his toenails out, of course being the Irish immigrant that he is. So I, I think maybe it's hereditary. I don't know. But no one else in my family, like my brother and sister, did not experience this. But I, I had like major swelling on the sides with pus. It clear, clearly something need to, needed to happen. Yeah. This is yeah. a whole other side of you. It's actually the same side of me, Alex. But... <laughs> it's all the same side of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You think that you are, and I'll tell you why I say this, and it comes back to Ireland. Do you uh -huh. think that you're a competitive person? Um, no. No, I do not think I am a competitive person. I'm interested as to why you asked that, but okay. I will answer first I think I'm so afraid of competition mm -hmm. that I'm not a competitive person however maybe I'm looking at it wrong because I also like easily feel discounted or unacknowledged right and get my feelings hurt. So maybe I am a competitive person, but don't know how to join the competition and just feel bad afterwards, if that makes sense. That makes sense. It sounds like you're also very sensitive. Oh, I am like, 
I don't, I shouldn't be alive. I'm so sensitive. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, it's not, my sister said it most beautifully, like, a, a number, oh, like 10 years ago. She just said, I think I'm getting a handle on how you feel things. And if I felt things the way you felt things, I wouldn't want to be alive. And then she's, and then she said, but I don't mean that as an insult. And she didn't. Like, right. She just kind of got a sense of maybe how we feel things differently. And it was, it, I, I, it actually was really comforting for me, for her to say that. But I, uh, yeah, I, I don't feel things normally, I think. You are an open wound of a woman. You've, you've, right? Forever. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I am disgustingly sensitive and I don't know. And you think when you get older, you're just like, oh, I'm a grown ass woman. I bet I am like, I may as well be a 16 year old girl in a lot of ways, except I, I carry on adult duties, you know. <laughs> right. But uh, I often, I, often feel like oh my god I think this is how I felt when I was 16. I often feel that way. Like the world just keeps hurting you. (laughs) I just keep hurting myself. It's not (laughs) the world. It's like I'm I'm a little bit of a I don't want to say a fuck up because I I'm not a fuck up. I've done fine but I have always felt insecure and vulnerable and it doesn't matter how many years you know like or how much expert like I can say well I've been teaching this number of years I've been living in the city this number of years and I still feel an insecurity that I know is not it's not normal I should feel more confident and I don't and it's something that I I grapple with and I thought like well as you get older you just start to feel more confident it's not true you start to feel less confident because you feel like you are not one that I I would say one but I feel like I should have I should have done more by this age. Oh. I should have. I should feel more independent in this way. I should own a house. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and and I think there are moments where I get really down on myself, and I feel like I don't feel any differently from how I felt ten years ago or fifteen years ago, and then I get really down on myself. I think about that stuff too. And I feel, yeah, and I feel like, and, and all I meant was like the world, I don't mean the world is actively going after you. I mean that the things right. that you see in the world. Thank like, you, Alex. Right? Because if it is, then I don't stand a chance. <laughs> like, for example, <laughs> I thought about you last night because I was watching TV and I was like, I know this, this is going to kill Shannon because it kills me too. The commercial for the SPCA that uses the Pretender song. 
They, yeah. It really. used to be the Sarah McLaughlin one. Oh, now yeah, it uses, yeah. right? Which, by the way, I've never thought it was a good song, and I hate it even more now. Um, Wait, which song is that? I think it's which all one? Stand By You. Oh, yeah. No, not her best, not their best. Not yeah. their best. But but then, you know, put that next to puppies shivering in the dark. And but it was also, it's also misused in the commercial because someone says, um, so you're getting the sense, I'll stand by you, animal. I'll stand by you, animal. I won't let anyone hurt you. And then someone's like, don't stand by and let this happen. And then I was like, well, that's confusing because you're using the song as like, I'm going to stand by, stand with you. And right. then in the same message, I thought, I'm sorry, maybe I thought too much about it, but I thought well, we that have. is a misuse of linguistics because then you're saying don't stand by, which is a fine phrase, but you were just saying, I'm going to stand by you. And then you're saying, don't stand by. That's right. Bad. bad. Yeah, bad. And the Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> version was far more... Uh, devastating but just, yeah you know but the images I mean I think it could be like a Y&T song and you'd still feel moved because the images sure. are the, right yeah I don't I have no feelings about the song but I was insulted by how it was used linguistically in that I know that commercial and I was like you either use standby to mean I'm sticking with you or but then later in the commercial, this is so it's so bad. I should maybe be in another, should I have another job? Is there a job that tells people not to do that? <laughs> I don't know. But like, then don't stand by and let, and you're using the phrase stand by to mean the total opposite of what it meant during the whole musical. I was like, I can't believe this. I yeah. was, I mean, yeah. all that is, is that somebody who wrote that, that script for the commercial, right. trying to sort of keep that, that common denominator of the, of the word stand in play, and they fucked stand up. Stand by, yeah. Right? But so abused, like it was confusing, and it was wrong. Yeah, and I cannot make eye contact with that commercial because of those, those poor animals. I can't do it. Well, no, I mean, but also, yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, of course. But yeah, I watched and I thought, well, this is probably a very effective. And now that you're talking about the standby thing. Um, and yeah. also, I don't know why, but that song, when it came out, it always made me kind of wince. Um, I don't remember the year it came out. I and I, I'm a little younger than you, so maybe like I missed the, what year would that I'm going to find out right now, because I feel like we were both adults. Yeah. I think No, I mean we are very much adults and we're middle age. I'm not <laughs> claiming to like I just mean I feel like maybe that song was a little like before my Oh into music time. This is surprising. I'm gonna have you guess. I would have guessed wrong. I'm okay, I'm gonna say nineteen wait, hold on. 1984. 
It's 1994. Holy shit! I know, I know. I would not have guessed that. I would have thought 2002. Oh, you would have thought much later. Okay. Uh, so I would have thought later. We're, but we're both way wrong. Okay, I, so I just didn't know the pretenders. or Okay. That's right? Fine. I think mm -hmm. I, here's what it is. I think lyrically, I thought it was always not very challenging. I thought it was a little bit simple. Yeah. Right, for them. Which, I mean, you know. And sometimes there's a need. No, I was never a huge fan of that. Of Were you song. a Pretenders fan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, what was that? The the album with Middle of the Road and all that yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. And then Chrissy Hine ended up doing, like, some stuff with Elvis Costello. Right. Um, which I was a, a huge fan of. No, she's amazing. Yeah. Can't carry on.
listen to this. So someone wrote a note and it says, Dear Alex, Shannon is so funny and her music is so sad. <laughs> can you ask her, <laughs> can you ask her why that is? Yo, yeah, I wish I could explain. Well, here's how, <laughs> this is how I explain. I was born sad. I don't know if I probably told you this, Alex. I literally was born sad. I have been sad my entire life, and I don't mean for anyone to take pity, but I am a sad, sad, sad sack of Shannon. <laughs> like, uh, there's, I, I, I mean, like, I can remember being four years old and being <laughs> just really I've always been really sad. So I don't know, I can't like, um, I think knowing that I have that tendency and also a tendency towards depression, I think, um, but it, it doesn't mean, and it's never meant that I haven't felt that I don't feel joy or entertainment or happy times. Like, I think I maybe feel them more than a lot of people so uh -huh. like i i actually feel a lot of joy and happiness and it's not i don't like it's not a bipolar thing this is right. true people who have some issues with depression or sadness and they they can feel the opposite very deeply and i do so i feel major I feel major joy um and I also have to have a sense of humor about my sadness or else I would not be a well person so th this person was accurate like yeah I mean <laughs> no it, it, it's true I um I feel a lot of sadness a lot of the time, but I feel real joy and probably joy that most people don't feel when I feel the joy. And I, yeah. Right. So, so you have, cause I have always felt, I have never felt like I belonged anywhere. I'm not like a sad guy. Um, right. I'm, I'm very sensitive. So I, I am very sensitive. And, um, I, but I've never felt like I belonged anywhere, even when I'm accepted, mm -hmm. right? Even when like I'm on the team, I still feel right. like there's a, there, there's a, the real team meets later after this team right. is done, right? Yeah. Like I just have never felt a part of this world and I still feel uh, very much like an outlier in the sense that I don't, I don't, not only do I not feel a part of it, I also don't have any interest in being a part of it, you know? Yeah. Like I, I observe... Yeah the conventional world and I just kind of go, I, I don't fit in there. I don't really want in either, which feels yeah. good. But I, I felt that way by at four years old. I felt that way very young. So I can yeah. relate to what you're saying about, about feeling a certain way and not yeah. having it go away. Well, I always say it's going to be the name, the title of my next record. I was born sad. Like that, that is a thing. It's a thing that, and I don't, and maybe it's like a, 
in a way I feel a little bit guilty because maybe it's a privileged thing if you have the privilege to have time to think about it, you know, right. and I feel I feel guilty, but I know that I have been I bet I'm a s I've been a sad person in my entire life and any like my whole family will attest to it and it's pain it's painful for them to recount some of those times. But um I think knowing that always also gives me this innate like sense of I don't know, in a way I feel a little fearless to to talk about that, to talk about my sadness, but also to just uh I don't know, talk about other things. I'm not making any sense right now. <laughs> no, you are. You but yeah. When I think about being sad all the time, it's hard, but um I uh yeah, I am I was born sad. I'm a sad person. And um it doesn't and to the person who wrote in or how it um when you are and you can probably attest to this, Alex, when you're a really sad person, the highs are really high. So you can experience so much I can experience so much joy in a conversation or something that brings me pleasure. It doesn't mean I'm always sad, but I it uh but it's an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. And I think it's actually really good to have people hear you say that because yeah. some people are really afraid of the sad. I'm not afraid of yeah. it at all. Uh, I mean, I I I, I, it's been so many years I'm not afraid of it I prefer it didn't exist but it exists right. so, yeah 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 is it the kind of thing where it's like always around or is it sometimes it's not around at all no it's always around it's always around like a hooded figure I, yeah I, I I can't remember a time that I haven't been sad and then in my um, early 20s, which no coincidence was around the time that I moved to New York and um, started uh, like being part of the Mendoza and my old band. Um, yeah, I have just been <laughs> I don't know. It sounds really sad, but I've been depressed my entire adult life. God. And before I was sad as a child, and then I became a depressed adult, which is basically just mature sadness, right? Like right. you, you graduate. But um, I, I have a lot of happy times yeah and i have a lot and, and i am i'm more in control than ever of all this stuff but it's it's really tough well let me tell you my first memory of you yes please okay 
because I, I think it's I think it's okay, but I might be okay. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, no, it's re- it's good. Um, so, and it goes along with what you're. Good. No, and it goes exactly along with what you're saying. So yeah. when I got the first Mendoza Line album, because you know I've been a music journalist since you know 1992. Yeah. So when the first Mendoza Line record came out, that would have been, what year would that have been, like 97? Well, when the very first, yeah, like 97 or something. Yeah. Like, was, yeah. was that bar none or was that not bar none yet? Well, if it, if you're talking like pre, pre me, then it was, uh, sorry, I'm going into a dark space. No, no. <laughs> I think we've just not been there. Metaphorically, it's fine. Um, <laughs> no, not the pre-you. I'm talking about the one that you, the first one oh, that you were on. Oh, uh, no. Um, so that was what, so that we had moved to New York at that time. Right. Yeah. And um, it was, yes, with Barnum. Yeah. Okay. That was our so, first record with Barnum. And that would have been which record? That would have been. We're all in this alone. Okay, that would have <laughs> yeah, been that record. Okay, that we're sort of doing the 20th anniversary. Right. About right. Now. Right. Yeah. And this is purely an accidental allusion to that. So when I saw, there's a picture of you that came uh-huh. with the album, or it's on the album. I don't know what it was, and I remember thinking to myself when I saw the picture of you, I thought, uh-huh. oh, Shannon is that she's very very pretty. But I thought it was an I thought it was a picture from like 1933, like huh. right. In other words, it looks like a. I wasn't uh-huh. sure if you were in the if that was a picture of some of somebody in the band. And the reason why right. I'm telling you this is because, you know, people always say like, "Oh, you have an old soul." It's like, "Oh, shut the fuck up!" Like that's just a thing people say, right? Yeah. But there is yeah. a kind of there's a kind of world weariness that that some of us have where you can see yes. it on our faces. I think I understand what you're saying. I I actually think I was born an adult. <laughs> right there you, there you. That's the title of your album. No, I mean my my uh, my worst and best memories of like growing up were um, my my father, who is an Irish immigrant, um, and he met my mother in New York, and they finally we both they moved down we moved down to the deep south and um my favorite uncle joe would come from ireland would come once a year because he had some sort of business and he would come and visit and my father would say uncle joe's coming and then my father would be like shan don't like don't get upset when he leaves and then I would start crying because my father would say, don't get upset when he leaves. Oh so I would cry a week before Uncle Joe arrived. And then, <laughs> and then Uncle Joe would arrive for a week. And my father inevitably would say something like, and oh, we're having a nice time, right? You don't need to be sad about Uncle Joe leaving. I was sort of bawling. I mean, it was just like a, it was a joke, but my emotions were like, um, my father understood my emotions, but he didn't understand that he was not being helpful. <laughs> right. 
right but he was he put out sort of a preemptive uh work to sort of say like let's plan on not being sad yeah <laughs> right let's, uh, hey let's plan on not being emotional and then he'd like but he'd look me in the eye and be like Shannon, just don't don't cry when and then i'd be i cry and then i felt like the biggest asshole whatever yeah so <laughs> yeah i was born i you're right i'm i am definitely an old soul okay. here's the picture yeah. i found the picture can i show uh, you oh jesus so here we go no it's a great picture but i literally i wasn't sure if this was like a contemporary person okay yeah right let me see all right this one well, that's the cover. Right. That's literally the cover of We're All in the Saloon. That's it the was cover. A pol it was a Polaroid. Um, of you. Yeah, of me. Yeah. Which, like, I, and I don't even recognize myself in the Polaroid. Not to say, like, I, I like it subjectively or objectively. Uh, or both. It's fantastic. It's a great yeah, picture. both. I mean, I guess I have to look at it both ways. Right. I like it. But I can also remember like um Mark Eitzel respond like saying some we were on uh cooking vinyl like a um cooking vinyl together for a couple of years and I remember him commenting like that girl just looks like she has been abused or something. I, and then like, or is like profoundly unhappy and I was profoundly unhappy. So he wasn't wrong. I, I don't know. That was a really hard time. Like that Polaroid was um, my first year in New York. And I, I can't believe I'm still in New York. I wanted to leave every second for like the first 10 years i think i don't know why i'm here it's home well, now um, now it's home i have a it, i have a mark eitzel story for you where i yeah. interviewed him in 94 i think um, uh -huh. right before the pretender song came out and we i found out that he actually lived in walnut creek which is where i live and I was living at the time as well. And I grew up uh -huh. here. And so I met him in the city. We sat down and I started the recorder. And I said, Mark, I didn't know that you grew up in Walnut Creek. Are your parents still there? And he looked me in the eye. This is the beginning of the interview. He looked me in the yeah. eye and he goes, they're, they're both dead. Were yeah. they really at least? Yeah, I think I they mean, were. Of, okay, but yeah. if they weren't, it would have been extra horrible. Yeah, they, they were, yeah, he said they're both dead. And I went, okay, well, maybe we'll order a drink. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, moving uh, on. Did he tell you that to your face? How do you know he said that, that he said that about you? He, um, so we were on the same UK label, if I, enters, if I remember correctly, and we were at South by Southwest. And um, the message, yeah, was sent to me and I was like mm, I don't he's not wrong he's right. not wrong right well it's funny it's a it's a beautiful picture but it's also there's a weariness to it right there's like a there's a yeah there's a, thing. a 22 year old weary no I mean 
the the Mendoza line is the best and worst thing that ever happened to me. But I mean, it was mostly the worst thing that ever happened to me. But I appreciate being able to write music and put it out and be part of a collective and yeah, I don't, I don't regret it, but man, those were dark days. I was born sad, but then the Mendoza line, like, brought me down, like, <laughs> to a, a sadder, much sadder level. I was um, born sad, then I joined a band. I was joined, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, you're probably wondering, why yeah. I asked you if you're competitive. Yes, why are you asking me? Right, so I know that was like an hour ago, but I haven't forgotten because the, okay, and it, and it does tie back to Ireland. So uh -huh. the, you, today you have officially, when this airs, you will have officially tied someone for the most appearances on this show. An Irish person? Perhaps? And the person who holds the record is Danny O'Reilly of the Coronas. Oh, yes. Well, he, uh, listen, he's a lovely man and that's a lovely band. Is he mad at me? I don't, I don't think he's mad. Him. No, I, I told him last week, yeah. I interviewed, I mean, I said, you now have the record. Um, and then you've just tied it. And then you're going to beat it because you'll be back on the show. In you August. know what, Alex? How about he and I interview with you together i think we should do that i know he's home <laughs> because no one's touring um yeah let's ask why don't we do that it'd be really fun he's a very sweet guy no i i would love that and i would love to talk about ireland and all yeah. that yeah okay so uh, he, yeah i mean no i'm not competitive i'm i am not competitive because i've never won a fucking thing in my life i don't mean that to make myself sound well i mean it's not like i haven't excelled in places like <laughs> right my my brother and i were co-valedictorians of our high school you know like i'm not deal. i've done things yeah you know what we did instead of um doing speeches we did blackbird by the beatles together oh my god wait you you sang you guys sang it together yeah <laughs> that must have been cool uh, yeah. by the way why why that song for for a a, a valedictory I don't know. The learn to fly part? Maybe? I don't remember. I don't remember. It was, yeah. But. Well, oh, here's one more. I got to read you this one, too. Yes, um, please. This I is, love um, these. Aren't these funny? I got a lot of them. People like you more than they like me. Um, here's the thing. People, oh, this is from Jennifer from Salem, Oregon. Okay, yeah. Oh, and Jennifer. she wrote... Um, I think Shannon's originally from New York, but she's very Southern. Ask her if yes. she considers herself to be a Southerner or a Northerner. Oh, that's a great question. I right? don't, I wouldn't, I won't say, like, I, <laughs> I, 
I won't say because I feel like I'm offending people if I say one where it's really confusing because I was born in New York, moved to the deep south in 1980, um, and then uh, went to college in Athens, Georgia, very much the deep south, and moved back to New York in 1997. So, I'm, no, I, I, uh, I can't say I will never feel part of, I will never say I'm an, a northerner or a southerner. It's, uh, and yes, so no. I, we don't know. You won't commit. I think if I you- will, I can't. I you can't. can't. I, I, I mean, like, I guess I would love to say that I'm, well, no, I wouldn't love to say. My tendency is to say I'm a northerner since the majority of my years have been spent in the north, but you get, I get, so many comments by people just by my maybe my patience, the way I speak, blah blah blah. Yeah. They they're like, Well, you're not from you're not a, a northerner and yeah, I don't know. Well, I think of you as what you have a southern sensibility to me, which is lovely. Um You mean I'm polite? You're polite. Uh, you know, I'm raised by New Yorkers, so I, I'm familiar yeah. with with what that's all about, and mm -hmm. uh, and I love and I love the New York sensibility. I just for you, you're very southern. You you have an elegance to your manners, and you're always on time. Uh, and I am always on time. That's <laughs> true. and love like a Hollywood, and you don't call when I need you to. So good, did you know? Maybe a lot that I'm asking of you, I know, babe. We've all got our things, but goddamn, I've been going through my things too. Did you know? But I know. Lost and found and then we 
Georgia were you at all into the bands that were in Athens were you like up yeah. on, like Love Tractor and REM and the B-52s and Pylon yeah. yeah I mean I was a little late so they so the the major years of REM and all that they were like that was like five years before me but they were still very much around, and Michael Stipe owned some restaurants. It was such an interesting time to be there because we, I mean, first of all, my entire college career, I was not part of music. Mm. I had no interest. I mean, I've always had a major interest in music, but just as an observer, and um i think no it's just this it was this bizarre thing of my starting to go see music more and then every once in a while you'd see michael stipe in a place and i never saw rem perform i mean i did when i paid to go see them in Atlanta or whatever. But there was always this feeling in Athens like you were close to someone maybe coming and performing. Like I can remember, do you know, you know Vic Chestnut? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, near, near and dear to my heart and um, and I can remember so many nights in Athens going to like see, a, a, like I remember going to see like John Wesley Harding. Oh yeah. And then uh, Vic Chestnut was opening for him and it was so, there were, there was just always so much flexibility, which I really appreciated. And this was before I even ventured to write a song. I just knew, I, I always loved music. Philip and I, my twin and I always loved music. And so I, this was way before I even thought about writing or being part of music. But I didn't answer your question at all. You did. I just, I'm not fun, but, sorry. I, no, you did. I like, started to think about 
Vic Chestnut, and I got whimsical. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, what an amazing songwriter. Uh, yeah. He's also one of those guys where he had so much charisma, and he, and he, pe people really loved Vic Chestnut. He had some some devoted fans. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, I think he from J one was like, I'm gonna commit suicide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of it, but like his his death was not a surprise. I think he expressed a lot through his music and um that he was not comfortable being alive and and yeah it was it's just i feel honored having been there when he was alive and well and yeah he was he was something else and it's it, yeah. uh, john wesley harding was a, i did not expect you to name check him um yeah singer songwriter he was sort of he was doing he was pretty active up until like the mid 90s he was still yeah even beyond that but he was a pretty he was ubiquitous he was always playing yeah and i had so many mixed feelings about him i'm like is this is, is this great music or are you ripping off costello i don't know i just had I had mixed feelings, but I knew I, I knew I loved the records. And then he played at the 40 watt in Athens, maybe in like 99 or something. And I was like, oh yeah, he's, he's the real deal. I he's pretty great. It. Yeah, he is great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I got his EP in like 1989 and it was a acoustic version of like a prayer. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. He, he did a great version. I was like, this guy's great. Um, he wrote a novel too. He wrote a couple of novels, I think. Yeah, isn't it? And my and Adam Gold, who produced and recorded my first two solo records, is in um John Wesley's uh, Cabinet of Wonder. Mm, yep. Or, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. No, he was great. Um, let's talk about that guitar behind you. I, I imagine <laughs> as your, as your father, and as one yeah. who's gone yes. to the trouble to adopting you. Yes, um, Papa. The, <laughs> I mean, I was, just, I was just suggesting that because See, you don't, <laughs> Papa. I'm starting to like that. That you, yeah, I know too yeah. much. Too much, yeah, too much. Um, the the fact is is that because of the pandemic, you don't go back to school until probably mid September. I'm guessing. I mean, if we do, yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah. I, and I and I imagine that there are songs that are that are not maybe not fully formed, but forming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yes. I think you could get Born Sad together pretty quick. Yeah. Oh my God. Born Sad could, I mean, listen, there are, <laughs> there are fragments of song. There are plenty of fragments of songs. Yeah. Born Sad could be like if someone said, I'll give you a million dollars to get yeah. a 
together by tomorrow, I could. Really? Are you going to offer me? I, yeah. listen, if I had a million dollars, uh, I, oh, here's one more letter for you. Can I read you one okay. more? Okay. We got a lot of mail about you. That's nice. Yeah. That's yeah. So, Nothing. Wait, wait, but the mail is from the last yes, thing? Yes. Or just knowing thing. that? Okay. Yeah. This is the last thing, and uh, and people and people are very excited that you're going to come on once a month. You're going to be like, Danny O'Reilly is going to have a hard time catching up with you. <laughs> you're going to be listen. You're in first place. You that's pretty good. Well, I don't want to cause trouble. I don't. What's the latest? You're not going to cause trouble. Here's one, uh, dear Alex. Shannon has so many stories. Do you think she'll ever write a novel? This is from a guy from Berkeley. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I mean, I guess I always feel like it's this, um, like, you must think you're pretty important to write a novel, and I don't think I'm that important. So, I'll, no, not, not in the works. I um, will continue to write songs. Okay. Do you notice how everybody wants to put you to work? Like, I want you to write songs. He wants you to write yeah. a novel. What is this? I, lo I love it. Uh, whatever. Thanks well, for encouraging me to continue to write, everyone. Well, you sent me a book a couple of years ago that you'd written for kids. Yeah. And it was great. Do you remember that book? <laughs> well, yeah, the one I wrote. Yeah, yeah the one you, you wrote? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes people forget experiences that they've had, including works that they've created. Yeah. No, I re I remember with okay. isn't it was rife with six songs. Yes. As well, that's and right. I think I successfully sent you the songs. Yeah. Yes. So what about that? And book? I've not done a fucking thing with it. <laughs> I've given it to some friends. Like, the whole idea was, I'll just give it to all of my friends with babies. And then I thought, well, I'm going to have baby. I don't know. It just, it's sad. It's a depressing. <laughs> I love it. I, I love, love it, it. I love the record. And it's also depressing to me. Well, I think that the, it seems like the albums you've put out have had, they've been very specific song cycles about, right? Mm -hmm. Like obviously Summer of the Horror, we know that that's a very specific song cycle. No, uh, it's the divorce record, yeah. Divorce record, right. I mean, yeah, you know, like, the last record, I mean, I feel that there's, it's very specific. And I wonder yeah. what the next record will be focused on, if there will be an overarching theme or if it's too soon mm -hmm. to say. I do too. I don't, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's too soon to say. <laughs> I don't know, Alex. Like, yeah, do you have any suggestions? Because I will take them. What? Is there a theme you would like my next record to reflect? I'll do it. I don't really? know. I'm like so lost right now. <laughs> I think that, the, are you really, do you really feel lost? Yeah, I mean, as far as song, I mean, I'm I'm writing, but I'm not understanding um, 
I am not understanding any trajectory. So yeah, yeah, I'm feeling lost. Yeah. So when you, will you do like, you'll write like a bunch of songs and then you'll find the ones that seem like they're part of a theme or you don't even think, who cares? You don't think like that. I normally just write a bunch of songs and I understand how they work together. And right now I'm not doing that. I'm writing and not maybe understanding their relation. So, so tell me, what is the subject of my well next album? Here's why I ask, and I'll, then I'll tell yeah. you. I ask because, like, for my own work, like for my mm-hmm. poems, like I was telling you, they all take place in this sort of David Lynchian beach town, right? Yeah. The city mm-hmm. by the water. You've read some of it. I mean, you know. Yeah. I've read. I've given some of the new ones, and you've read the first of. So, and it's. I found that the poems need to be there or, uh-huh. they, they don't, or they don't exist, right? So I, I get access into this place and I'm writing and I realize that, that thematically what's happening there is very much the same thing. And I keep trying to write about it in a different way. Right. So, and I don't know what that theme is, but it's more like a feeling than a theme. Um, so maybe for your album, it's less of a theme and more of a feeling. I really, I like that idea. Sorry, I'm in the kitchen with my cat right now and she doesn't like light. Um, <laughs> One of those dark cats that they literally can't, can't be in the light? No, yeah, I literally, no, she can be. So, um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. For example, the song I played on the last show from the Mendoza Line record. Uh, right. What is that song? Is it Our Town? If nothing happens in Our Town, that's okay. Oh, um, uh, our, our a city. bigger city. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like I love that song. It's a beautiful song, but I also love it because it feels to me like the way I want my poems to feel. Right, like I like. Well, I, that song was the second song I ever wrote in my life. How is that possible? It's so fully formed. No, well, no, because guess what? Anyone can write songs. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm very curious what's in that glass. I imagine is it cucumber water? No, no, it's seltzer water. Okay. Seltzer water. I'm actually okay. being very good. How are you, um, pandemically? Are you like, are you actually like nervous about getting sick yourself or, cause I have not felt, I have not well, felt Well, I, I am at a, like, I've got so much has gotten on a, a, it's gotten on a subway once since March. Okay. Um, so I'm very much in my neighborhood. Um, but my sister and I are toying with the idea. I've told you we do the Appalachian Trail. We do yeah. like, um, we do a hundred miles over five days. Like we're, um, and I mean, starting from Georgia, we're going to Maine, but we're doing it like we did, we're doing it every spring break. And of course, we couldn't do it this uh, April, but we're both really like chomping up the bit. 
like we're like i really want to do the next hundred miles and we're thinking about doing it but it would kind of require my flying to it her in atlanta okay and we just we're like every day like there will be a day where i'm like yes we're doing it and then uh the next day she'll be like i don't know it doesn't feel safe we're just like we're very capricious in our our feelings about whether we can do it well i think that's understandable by the way are you yeah. one of those twins that that talks to your twin constantly like do you are you guys in oh well carrie's not my twin carrie's right. my older sister right She's, but your brother uh, yeah i mean um we i felt like at a time we were like when we were in high school and college together and then he has a the best most delightful wife and i think she's taken over those weird i don't it sounds weird but she's taken that duty so they have like a, sort of... a twinship when you're different genders is weird and creepy and intense and so you need to be taken away from it and <laughs> i see I see. Yeah. 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 So, but you guys, I imagine the two of you are are in touch a, a lot. Oh, Philip and I are still like best of friends. But his, I, I love his wife so much. I, it was really tough when I left Athens. Um, Philip and I lived together in the house downtown and. We had a lot of parties and stuff. And when I left, I think it was really hard for both of us. And uh, it was sort of like, I, I often call it like, it's, it was worse than my divorce. Mm. Um, because it was sadder. It was sadder than my divorce. Um, we, I think Philip and I could have lived together forever, which was the great, I mean, like, thank heavens I moved away because we could have been those weirdos or like, oh yeah, no, they're actually brother and sister. They're not. <laughs> no, that could have happened easily. Right, that right. That could have happened easily. Um, That's because the we... We're so we're so in love with each other and so in tune with each other, and then the whole Athens thing that could have happened in a second. Um, so one of us clearly had to leave. Had to go. I mean, I feel like that would have started off as a zany sitcom, and it would have ended yeah. as, as as like two very old sad people. Yeah, I mean, we have this amazing house downtown, and we have these amazing parties. No, it was great. So on Instagram, you posted some kind of shark thing. What what was that? Well, so it's so the shark image that you commented on was my 
It was actually an anniversary card to Guillermo, my boyfriend. And you're probably asking, like, well, what special anniversary would it be where you would give someone a paper shark? That was my next question. <laughs> uh, 14 months. 14 months. Okay. <laughs> Why didn't I know that? <laughs> yeah, that's the paper shark anniversary. Right. You ask a silly question, you should know the answer. <laughs> of course, your 14-month anniversary. Why did you do the 14-month anniversary? Why 14? I love that you did that, but why 14 months? Oh, well, I'm a card giver, so I'm an, uh, uh, you know, um, a month anniversary. If it's someone worth giving it a card to, I will. So, but the, no, why the shark? I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I was sort of like, I want to celebrate the anniversary, but I don't like anniversary cards. Here right. is the shark. And, but what is your, so you have an obsession with sharks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, could you expand ex yeah. a little bit? Yeah. I, you know, Jaws completely ruined my life when I was yeah. a kid. Well, like it just, yeah. it just You're not alone. fucked me up. Like it ruined my relationship yeah. with, with uh, showers, swimming pools, and uh, glasses of water pretty much. I mean, it just, it yeah. just, for whatever reason, it just rang my bell in all the wrong ways. <laughs> uh, and then I was, I was at Stinson Beach with my girlfriend in 1992 and I didn't want her to know that I was really afraid of sharks. So she said, oh, let's go out to the beach. And so we went into the water and frolic around like the Blue Lagoon, you know? And I was like, yeah, and I was pretending not to be scared. And then the next day, someone got killed by a shark in the exact spot uh, where we were. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. I'm obsessed. I, I just, the fact that they are so perfect as, you know, um, evolutionary beings, they're perfect. Yeah, I mean, they, like, they were around with the dinosaurs. Right, right, yeah. the stories they could tell. Um, so, I, they're, and I also think that they're brutal, but they're elegant. You know, they navigate mm -hmm. by moonlight. Did you know? Oh, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous, yeah. right. So yeah. I love, I love them as a commanding and unexpected and mysterious and malevolent, <laughs> but also poetic presence. Yeah. There you go. No, yeah. I no, love them. I, I really don't. love them. By the way, I thought you should do a children's book called Guillermo's Tomato, because remember you posted a picture of he has a tomato that he grew Like that, that was a beautiful, you know, like not, oh, he would like that actually. Right? It, because it was imperfect, but it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. It, was, it looked like a great tomato. Did he grow yeah. it in his, in his yard? Yeah, and See? yeah. He has a little, a little garden, so I will express to him that you, yeah, I mean, that could be, that could be a story. That could be a story. It was that a beautiful be a tomato, story. and it was big. Yeah. Right? Sorry? It was big. It was regular-sized. Okay. Yeah, 
it wasn't a mini tomato. Yeah, and we actually ate it, and it was delicious. <laughs> any instance of you eating fruit, I think, is a triumph of any of any kind. I always forget the tomato is a fruit, but you're yeah. right. It's true. Yeah? It's, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Now you so. You have now officially tied Danny O'Reilly. You've been on this show more than anybody else. And by the way, we've had some pretty cool people and you've now been on there. Uh, you just beat Kristen Hirsch. She was on it twice. Oh, uh, well, this is um, validating. People really are crazy about you, so. Uh, well, I'm crazy about you. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. Well, uh, you know, Alex I Alex Green, thank you for taking such interest in me. Yeah, I think you're an interesting character, and I'm glad we're pals. Oh, my God. If we weren't, I would lose it. Yeah, I would lose my shit if we weren't pals. We're pals. So we're I'm pals. Not. Now, I'm going to give you a card on our 38-month anniversary of knowing each other. When is that? Well, I knew you, I, I met you in August of 2018. Okay. So this is like our, our, like our tour anniversary is coming up, but we don't observe that. I'm going to wait for an obscure time, like the 27th month. Whatever. I love any acknowledgement of anniversaries. So whenever you feel it's ready, I'm ready. Okay. Love you. And thank you for supporting me. You're delightful. Uh, listen, I love I'm, you. I love you, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs> yes. Mwah! What can I say? I love her. Shannon McArdle. Uh, more information on Shannon, shannonmcardlemusic.com. She's going to get to work on that new album. I'm going to keep pressuring her to do so, and uh, she'll take that guitar right off the wall. I can feel it. It's going to happen. We're going to encourage her uh, to do that. Shannon will be back on the show in September, so we'll catch up with her in a couple of weeks and see what she's up to. Uh, you know what I'm up to. I talk about it all the time, but if you want to hear uh, the version that doesn't have me talking. That's the online version. <laughs> it took me a long time to say I have a website. AlexGreenOnline.com. Uh, go there and find out what's going on with me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll be doing readings again one day. I don't know about one day soon, uh, but I will be visiting bookstores, promoting my new book, Malroe and the Midnight Organ Fight. Although by the time that happens, it probably won't be a new book anymore. It might be years from now, uh, but we're going to do it as soon as we can. I promise I'll be coming to a town near you to talk about my kid's book about murder. You can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Let's close the show with a song from Shannon's old band, The Mendoza Line. This is They Never Bat an Eye. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. Plane touched down, so much to stick it into, twist and turn, told the folks 
Jesus Christ, they 